Okay, so hello and welcome to uh, the new issue of the Lighthouse Analyst Relations Podcast. I'm here with Ed Gaiurko. Ed, thanks so much for coming in today. It's good being here today, Duncan. Excellent. So uh, today's discussion is about managing the Gartner Magic Quadrant. So obviously, this is one of the most important topics for, for any for any analyst relations uh, uh, manager. Um, I just wonder, Ed, what, why has the uh, Institute of Industry Analyst Relations commissioned you to to write this guide? Well, the uh, the Magic Quadrant is perhaps one of the most controversial reports. Uh, types of uh, report formats ever created, mm-hmm. and uh, when I took on the project, the, uh, the idea was that uh, it would be a way for members of the IIAR to share best practices, um, that, uh, that the paper would get added to the association's library so that AR managers would be able to access it, and that uh, right now there's just not that much information that's, that's out there that's useful info for AR managers to, to, um, uh, to use uh, on a day-to-day uh, basis to, to help them with, uh, with managing the uh, magic logging process. Amazing. Where does all of that fit into what the Institute of Analyst Relations is trying to do? I mean, what, just for people who aren't familiar, what, what is the Institute, Why, what, what is it trying to do, why is it doing things like this? Well, the, uh, the IIAR's purpose is to help AR managers to to share best practices, to uh, help establish analyst relations as its own own discipline, and uh, I mean, it's uh, it's I, I found great value in it because it's it's great to, to meet up with other AR pros and uh, meet up regularly and and share experiences and uh, and uh, I found really uh, some great benefit from just. You know, um, that, that rare opportunity where uh, you know, oftentimes I feel you know as an AR. Uh, practicing AR, I feel like I'm, you know, I can work in a vacuum, uh, and uh, uh, it's really uh, uh, fantastic to be in a room filled with uh, uh, AR AR experts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, we we've known each other what, for the best part of a decade yeah, yeah, <laughs> now. Um, I mean, uh, it's it's amazing that the institute's been able to get someone with your background to to write this guide. I just wonder, can you say something about you know what what, what is your background, just for mm-hmm. people who haven't come across you? Uh, you know, why are you the right person to be to be giving to be giving this insight, drawing these comments together? Um, yeah, it's happy to, Duncan. Um, in terms of my background, I started in public relations. Uh, I worked with, at uh, uh, my first uh, first member working at, at Edelman, uh, and I, while I enjoyed public relations, I, I uh, always found uh, analyst relations much more interesting, and uh, it, it's it's always been an interest, a personal interest of mine to. To, to learn more about business strategy and, and technology. And uh, in the last two years, I've, uh, well, I'm here from my accent, I started working in the US, moved, uh, moved to the UK, and, and, and uh, well, over the past two years, I've been working uh, at Lewis PR as its uh, analyst relations manager here in London, in its London headquarter office. And uh, here we are today. Excellent, fantastic. Um, so, what is the Magic Quadrant? Well, um, the Magic Quadrant is, uh, it's basically a, uh, uh, it's a way that, it's a format that Gartner uses to help uh, evaluate vendors in a particular market. And there are are two axes and Gartner uh, uses, uh, it's a, has uh, different criteria, uh, some 
uh, criteria more clear than others yep. uh, that it uses to um, uh, rate vendors and put them into one of the four quadrants. Now, I wish there was an easy answer for <laughs> for this, or in fact, even a short answer. But but essentially, what it is is uh, um, it's a very simplified, uh, and this is not so much, even so much my words, but uh, you know, according to, to Gideon Gartner, a, a, a simplified way of comparing uh, vendors in a particular market. Is that fair enough for you, Dante? That sounds, that sounds fair enough. And what are the, now there are two elements that make up the magic problem. What, what, what are they and, and, and how, how, are they, how are they used? Well, um, uh, you know, in terms of uh, each access, uh, uh, I would basically say, you know, um, or even oversimplifying it more than that, uh, there's uh, market information and there's uh, customer references. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, you know, using that information, uh, Gartner then determines, uh, an analyst would, would determine the position of a particular vendor on the grid. Mm -hmm. And is the magic quadrant kind of unique or is, is there other... I mean, I suppose forgotten the magic quadrant must be kind of flagship, you know. I mean, it must be the I don't know the best known piece of business research in the world or something. But uh, uh, is there is the magic quadrant the only research that's structured like this? Are there are there other forms that Gartner or other firms are producing? Well, imitation is the greatest form of <laughs> flattery, Duncan. And uh, uh, you know, there's the Forster Wave and the IDC IDC Leadership Grid, and uh, you know, they they. Uh, while um, they may differ in some ways, they, you know, basically their origin is based on the, uh, the magic quadrant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how influential do you think the magic quadrant is? Well, you know, I, I think it, it really is a matter of, of perspective. I mean, there are going to be some people that say it's the most important document uh, ever, ever created and the most important to the business. Yeah. And there are going to be others that, uh, that say that it's not important. Um, you know, uh, I think it really, you know, in terms of that, uh, you know, there have been many, in the foot paper I interviewed um, quite a few different people. I interviewed um, uh, AR managers at vendors, I've interviewed um, AR uh, experts at PR consultancies, at analyst relations boutiques, and everyone seemed to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes uh, an emotional one uh, when it comes to uh, uh, how important an MQ really is. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, there, there are some vendors that that perhaps uh, the MQ is more important internally at the vendor than it is externally. Yeah? And uh, uh, there's another, you know, one person I spoke with actually said that the the, the difference, the, the you know, the difference between being on the MQ and not being on the MQ was getting sales leads. And, and it's interesting you make this point about um, about the emotion, actually, because uh, the experience that you've had, I mean, because obviously the, the Institute has been introducing to people, and you've been speaking to, to lots of people about their experience of the, of the NQ, and it, it's, it's a, in a way it's a little bit ironic that something that's so hyper-rational and black and white and all about, you know, stripping things away, actually it's a hugely emotional and significant Experience for the organisation and uh, a really uh, a really difficult one for analyst. It's the biggest challenge, I think, isn't it, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for an analyst relations manager to have, other than your company going bust or you know, I mean, it's really up there with with like moving home and and, and having your lung out as one of the most stressful experiences. Yeah. 
Well, I'm not sure about uh, <laughs> I, I can make those comparisons, <laughs> but but I can say, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's you know every year it's it's you know it's it is a cyc- uh, cyclical thing, and uh, uh, you know it's it's uh, you know with the MQ, it's you know there are real there are great opportunities uh, in managing it as a process and as a cycle and instead of uh, you know being a bit like an ostrich and putting your head in the sand and, and hoping that uh, you know this year or next year we won't have to manage it exactly. so let's talk a little bit about about the sort of nuts and bolts of, of how it works I mean what how much effort is Gartner putting into a magic quadrant and then what, what do vendors do how, how are vendors asked to in, in, interact with it and, and can vendors no, this is too many questions, but can vendors really influence it positively or negatively? Isn't it just a relatively objective process where the where the analyst is putting the information together? Well, you know, once a uh, once is a decision within Garner to um, to publish a magic quadrant, a vendor will be included in it, whether they uh, whether they like it or not. There's no uh, getting around that fact, and and uh, the one. Comment I've heard repeatedly is that that many times an analyst will know more about a company and its customers mm-hmm. than perhaps the company knows about itself mm-hmm. and about it. Nothing that Duncan's not in his head. <laughs> um, about, uh, uh, so you know, it, it all. I think you know it can only help by working with the analyst, and that uh, you know it gets to, to references in particular. Um, if there's uh, you know, uh, very often. Uh, uh, some companies will make a decision to not provide uh, references. Yeah. Well, uh, I can only imagine, you know, it, you know, thinking long term, that if the analyst is speaking to end users, he's probably spoken to those references. So it's anything that a, that a vendor could do could, to make the process for the analyst easier could only help them with the positioning on the on the grid. So there's just a simple uh, you know, recommendation that. Uh, could offer some benefit to uh, to working with the uh, EMP process. Actually, what, what, what you said just there just just made a memory come back to me of uh, of when I used to be an analyst. I, w- I was following um, a big uh, a big uh, big business software vendor, and and they only had like four or five clients that they've announced, but we've been able to identify twenty or thirty. You know, so we met up with them and mentioned these thirty firms, and they were like really really shocked. But what they what they didn't realise was, you know, of course, you know, the, the firms that we've been able to identify, they were like a maybe a random cross section, whereas the firms they've been able to identify were maybe a more realistic cross section of their customers. And so, firms think that they can protect themselves by not participating, but actually, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, now, I know I know you won't want to embarrass anyone, but I mean, can you think of some examples where I mean, how can you say where maybe businesses have been affected? By the by, the magic quadrant. Um. Well, I mean, it, it should be said that uh, you know, uh, Gartner will say that it's the MQ should not be used for um, for selection or, or shortlisting of potential companies to do business with, and uh, you know. And that's interesting because I think a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, and they're very, very clear about this. And and uh, you know, again, going back to what Gideon Gartner said. And this is why the, the MQ is, is so successful: is that there's just there, there's not many resources to uh, for help in the vendor selection process. Mm-hmm. And Gartner has created what you know, you know if it wasn't working, it wouldn't have the, the reputation that it does. That it's created something that's that's simple, 
and easy to understand. And uh, you know, the feedback that I have from the interviews is it, with uh, you know, with vendors is, is you know it was quite clear that that the MQ is used to shortlist RFPs. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's not on his head again. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, and I think you know the you know, one particular person I spoke with said, you know, again, I think I said this before, he said, it, getting on the MQ, even in, a, in you know, yes. sort of the best box, right, is still better than not being on an on MQ at all. Now, this, I, I, can, um, I can really identify with this. I had a real surprise, actually, when I had a client who was in the absolute worst spot, you know, like, what, you know, right next to the origin. You know, and you know it's interesting because when you speak to a lot of the big firms, they say, "Look, actually, we would rather be not on the magic quadrant than than way down uh, in the bottom." But actually, the difference for them between being anywhere and being nowhere was absolutely massive, and even being in a bad place was for them uh, it massively transformed their sales pipeline uh, from from not from not being there. I mean, one more comment about that: you know, you see uh, an MQ, and you, you see maybe a, a you know, list of. Um, you know, 14 and 10 vendors you know, considered for an MQ, you know, it's, it's really important to take a step back and, and, and think, well, that's 10 out of hundreds, hundreds, yeah. of hundreds. hundreds. You know, you should be so lucky to be included yeah. uh, uh, or be considered to be, you know, for an MQ. Yeah? Yeah. Exactly. So actually, this, this, this makes me think about the question of mis- misunderstandings, you know, so We've spoken about the, the idea that, uh, you know, that it's better to be on than not to be on. Mm. Spoken about the idea that actually it's primarily a way of simplifying all the information Gartner has rather than about it being the end product that you should use to select software with. Um, are there other, I mean, how can I put it, common misunderstandings that you've, that you've come across? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this, which is, you know, this is, I think there tends to be a belief that that the, the MQ is uh, something that should be discussed and focused on only you know once the email has been sent from Gartner saying we're about to do an MQ and you know we'd like your inclusion we'd like to inclusion that I think it's it's um, what's been made very clear uh, from writing this white paper is that uh, it's it's a it's a, it should you know best pro- best practice is that it's an ongoing process mm-hmm. and that's not just with um, uh, building the relationship with the analysts, which should happen throughout the year, and uh, you know that's multiple interactions, and and building that relationship to get a better understanding of the criteria that the analysts would use for the MQ, because that's oftentimes not made very clear in the MQ process. Yeah. But it's also uh, spending time and really uh, building relationships with the references that that a vendor can provide Gardner. Um, yeah, I mean, well, one thing, it's amazing how often people give references, but they don't really know what the reference time is going to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and this has been you know, something that, uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty jaded, but uh, I didn't realize, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how, how uh, it's just as important to put a process around reference selection and relationship building with the references as it is building uh, relationships with the animals. It's uh, it, it is actually astonishing to see how many people uh, don't do anything about that. You know, they think the magic button is the most important thing in the world, but they don't think they can do anything until they get a request for information. Um, and I wonder is that is that one of the main reasons why? I mean, obviously, some firms perform less well in the magic button than they than they think they should do. 
I mean, is, 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 that, is that one of the main reasons why people perform less well in the MQ than they might do, the lack of preparation, or do you think there are other reasons? Yeah, there's a, uh, I think there's a, uh, uh, a real opportunity for, um, for companies to, to um, evaluate the processes they use to, um, you know, when it relates to the MQ and, and building relationships with, with Gardner. And, and I think it's, it's something that, you know, it, it's, you know, the more, the most successful companies are the ones that, that try to year after year learn from the process, learn from the work that they've done, and then build upon it and, and evaluate it. And, and uh, not just the AR department and the comms department, but also getting senior management together, work as a team, and um, uh, in advance, yeah. give, give a, a proper think about where they think their dot's going to be on the grid, and perhaps even plot that out and have a project so that you know during the process they can. Um, Focus on the correct, the right criteria to help them move the dot if they, if that's one of the goals for the AR manager. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's. Uh, uh, I, I don't think that that's something that. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for vendors to want to put the time into it. Okay. Well, Ed, I know we want to invite you back for a second podcast to to speak a little bit more about about some of, about precisely uh, those issues of, of what people need to do to to, to get the ball rolling. Just one final thing before we finish is about the white paper itself, actually. So if people want to get hold of your guide, uh, how, can, how can they do that? Well, there's going to be an abstract available on analysts. It's analystrelations.org, which is the IIAR's website. And uh, for members uh, of the IIAR, uh, the paper will be available in the library uh, on Monday, the, uh, March 30th. Um, you know, anyone who'd be interested in, in getting more information could also email me. Uh, my email address is ed, E-D-G-Y-U-R-K-O, at gmail.com. Excellent. Ed, thank you very much for coming in, and, and we're looking, we'll look forward to seeing you soon when we, when we, when we bring you in for the, for the, uh, the second half of the, uh, of the discussion. Thanks, Dungeon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Ed.